Good morning, church. Welcome to the Oasis. We're glad you're here in the auditorium this morning. We're glad you're joining us from your homes this morning as well. Isaiah chapter 52 this morning. Just a reminder before the message that next week we will be celebrating the Lord's table. And so we wanted to remind you of that. Communion next week in both services at the Oasis Church. This morning's message is God's call for an appropriate response of faith from his people. He is calling upon his people to appropriately respond to him in faith. And God did that thousands of years ago in this time, and God is doing that right now, today. He is calling upon us today to take our worship and to take his word and to appropriately respond in faith. And really, this message has three very simple points to it. God wants his people to remember who we are. He wants us to remember who he is. And he wants to, us to remember the impact that we can have on others when we remember who we are and when we remember who he is. You see, God's people at this time were in exile. But God was getting ready to deliver them from exile. And God wanted them to know something very important. They were God's people before they went into exile. They are God's people while they're in exile. And they will be God's people when they come out of exile. Their position, their status from God's perspective does not change. And God wants his people today to know that as well. You are God's child, my friend. You are God's sons and daughters. You are the princes and princesses of God. And you are that before you enter into your raging fires and flooded streams and deep waters. You are that and you remain that during the time you are in your raging fires, flooded streams and deep waters. And you will be that when you come out of your flooded streams, your deep waters and your raging fires. Nothing changes changes who you are and God wants you to know that and here's why because one of the things that dynamically happens when you and I go through deep waters flooded streams raging fires when we go through trials when we go through challenges is our spiritual enemy and yes he is very much active and alive our spiritual enemy seeks to use those times when he knows that we are vulnerable to degrade us to demean us to get us to sort of to sort of be in the dirt and dust where he lives he's the serpent he's the snake he lives in the dust. He lives in the dirt. And he wants to use the things that we go through somehow to get us to stay in the dust and the dirt instead of, as we sung about, holding our heads up at all times, no matter what we're going through and how long we're going through it, remembering that nothing changes who we are. We are the children of God. We are the people of God. And so in very sort of 
short staccato notes, if you will, powerful exhortations. God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks into his people's lives with six, again, powerful exhortations at the beginning of chapter 52. The first is this. He says, it's time for my people to wake up. This is no time to be asleep. This is no time for slumber. This is no time even while you're going through these raging fires and these deep waters to somehow become spiritually lax. It is time to keep on high alert to what's going on, especially how you talk to yourself through these times or how you allow others to speak into your life that's not lining up with God, or how you're allowing the spiritual enemy to somehow use this vulnerable time in your life to keep you down or to get you to to sort of let go of your spiritual priorities. God is saying, no, it's time for my people to wake up and to wake up to the possibilities that nothing has changed. You are my people before exile. You are my people during exile. And you will be my people after I bring you out of exile. Then clothe yourselves. Literally wrap yourself with the strength or the might of God, O Zion. And Zion here is used in place of the people of God. He's not speaking to a place. He's speaking to the people who inhabit or who are connected to that place. So in verse 1, he talks to the people of God as Zion. In verse 1, he also talks to the people of God uh, using the city of Jerusalem in verse 1 to stand for the people of God. And then in verse 2, he uses Jerusalem again because Jerusalem, the city, isn't held captive. It's the people of God who right now are held captive. Then if you go over to verse 4, 5, and 6, you will see the phrase, my people, in each of those verses. In the beginning, my people went to live temporarily in Egypt. Verse 5, indeed, my people have been carried away for nothing, and for this reason, verse 6, my people will know my name. God is speaking to his people, and he's saying to his people, this is who you are. Remember who you are. Stay awake and wrap yourself in my strength and in my might. Then he says, put on your beautiful clothes, verse 1. Your very best, your finest. Now, now, now's not the time when you and I go through hard times again to, to let down and let go. It's time to live at all times with dignity and honor as those who are the children of God, those who are the sons and daughters of God, those who are the princes and princesses of God. Don't let down. Stay where you are as the people of God, O oh, Jerusalem, holy city. We are the set-apart people of God. He says, he promises them, uncircumcised and unclean pagans will no longer invade you. Better days are ahead. Therefore, verse 2, shake off the dirt. Shake off the dust and the debris. Rise up and literally in the Hebrew, roar. God says, I want my people to be roaring. Don't allow what you and I go through circumstantially or situationally in life to somehow bring us down. We can all, as the children of God, rise above our circumstances. 
and we've seen this. As I said, it's really neat to see how, as we've been going through a, a uh, partial study of the book of Isaiah, how you can then bring another book like Daniel, where you see that they were actually the ones that went through the exile, and how people like Daniel and his friends rose above the circumstances of being in exile and, and how they did not allow that to define them, to degrade them, to demean them in any way. God used them mightily in spite of it, and God wants his people always to be alert and awake that that's how God works. Even as Jeff was talking about, we've got so many people right now, we're going through another season as a church where we've got so many of our people going through spiritual, emotional, and physical trials right now and challenges. And, and we need to be praying for each other. But we also need to make sure that we are coming to the house of God and that we are maintaining our own personal walk with God and that we are allowing God to encourage us in the ways that we can because God doesn't want us to allow those vulnerable times for us then to get into a, a bad headspace, if you will. Because the enemy knows when you and I go through those times, we are very vulnerable to attack. And he wants to let us stay in the dirt and the dust. And God is saying to his people in verse 2, shake off the dust, shake off the dirt, rise up and roar as my people. Get up, captive Jerusalem. Stand up, my people. Last week at the end of both services, I had folks stand up because sometimes it's important, you know, we either beat ourselves down, we allow others to beat us down, we allow our spiritual enemy to beat us down, and God wants his people to stand, to stand, to stand in dignity, to exchange our degraded condition for the honor and the dignity of being a son and a daughter of God. Hold your heads up, as we just sung about. God is the lifter of our heads. And no matter what you and I go through, no matter how hard, how protracted, how challenging it is, God is able to lift our heads. He does not want to see one of his children hang their head at any time. He wants to come along and say, you're my child. I love you. I am, you're my child before you entered into this trial. You will be my child child as you go through this trial and you're going to be my beloved child when you come out of this nothing is going to change our position and our status as the people of God we have been raised positionally seated with Christ in the heavenly places and don't allow as God's people our circumstances and our situation to define who we are remember who you are. I guess an important question today would be, do you know you are the people of God? Are you confident that you are a son and daughter of God? Has there been a time in your life where you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you entered into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus? Because if that is the case, then you are 
a son and daughter, a prince or princess. You are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And no matter what you go through in your life, that never changes. You are always God's child. And your status and your position remain constant no matter what. And that's what God wanted to say to his people as they were getting ready to come out of exile. Notice what he says in verse 2 again. Take off the iron chains around your neck. Free yourself. You don't need to be captive any longer. Now, obviously, we don't remove them on our own. We remove those chains with God's help. But God is saying, I'm ready to deliver you. I'm ready to set you free. Are you ready to trust me? And maybe God is saying the same thing today. Maybe there's some of you who have come here this morning or some of you who are watching this morning, something's got a hold of you. Something's got a grip on you. Something has wrapped itself around you. And God is saying to you, you are my child. Take off those chains and be free in me, you see. You don't have to live in bondage or captivity any longer, O oh, captive daughter Zion. Wow. God is saying, don't ever forget who you are. Don't ever forget your status and your position as one of my children. Don't ever forget the God that is your father. Don't ever forget the spiritual resources that are always available to you. Don't ever forget the power of God that lives within you through the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't ever forget who you are. You are my people, God says. And then in verse 3, 4, and 5 of Isaiah 52, he basically says all these nations that took you, they didn't care about you. They didn't love you. They just used you and abused you and had you serve them and their purposes. They didn't, you were nothing to them, but you've never been that to me. You are of greatest worth and value to me, you see. And again, sometimes when you and I go through those difficult, hard times in our life, we can begin to think that we are less than who we really are. We can begin to even think, maybe God doesn't really love me and care about me as much as I thought he did. And we can begin to question that because, again, we question that based upon our circumstances and our situation, not who positionally and in status we are before God, no matter what our circumstances or situation is. God is saying that is always, and that is, that is where our surety, our stability, and our security comes from. Not in what we go through in this life, but in who we are before our God. We are the people of God. And we always will be, no matter what. But then, God at the end of verse 5 into verse 6 says, when you were in exile, my name 
as the Lord was constantly slandered all day long. I was treated with contempt. I was ridiculed because I'm wrapped up in my people. And when my people are in such a condition, they think that, oh my goodness, his God, their God must be nothing. Their God must be weak. Their, their God must not be able to help them in any way because look at them, look at where they are. And God says, oh, oh. I have my purpose for why my people are in exile right now. And do not judge who I am as God even based upon my people's circumstances and situation. And we can't do that either. Sometimes we connect our circumstances and our situation to who God is or to who God is to us. So notice what God says in verse 6. For this reason, my people will know my name. They will experience the meaning of my name. For this reason, they will know at that time, a time in future when God would act decisively for his people to vindicate his name. And he says, they will know at that time that I am. I am the one who says, here I am. Behold your God. And so God is saying, I need my people to remember who they are, but I need my people always to remember who I am. I am. And the I am, the great I am, is here today. And he is on display in this room and in your homes, and he is saying to all of us, behold your God. I am the great I am. Don't ever Forget that. I am your bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door to your sheepfold. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am that I am. Don't ever forget who I am. And I will be God before you go into a trial a raging fire, a flooded stream, deep waters. I will be the great I am while you're in it, and I will certainly be the great I am that brings you out of it. I am who I am. Don't ever forget that. In fact, at the end of verse 7, he's going to send messengers to announce to Zion, your God reigns. If you mark your Bibles, I would mark those three words. Your God reigns. He rules. He's in control. He's on the throne. And he always has been. He is right now in the midst of your circumstance and situation. And he will always be. He is always the God who reigns. And his people must never forget that. He's in complete control. There's nothing that is going on in this world or in our lives individually that catches him off guard, that, that you know, makes him surprised. He knows about it way before it got to us. There's nothing that causes our God to wring his hands and, and think about how in the world am I going to deal with this? There's nothing that brings God to a lost, a loss. There's nothing that, that causes God confusion or consternation at any point. 
God is always in complete control of every situation in this universe, including every detail of our lives. He is the God who is reigning right now. And he hasn't abdicated his throne or been kicked off of his throne just because his people are going through difficult times. And God is saying to his people, remember who I am. Remember who you are and remember who I am. And why God is in exhorting his people in that way is because God is saying, when you especially, as you pass through deep waters and flooded streams and raging fires, as you remember who you are and you remember who I am and you appropriately respond to me and to that situation in faith, you can be a tremendous help to others. You, by navigating that circumstance in a way of faith in me, you can give hope, you can give strength, and you can give encouragement to others. And that's exactly what we see here in verse 7 and on down through the rest of the chapter. Notice. He's talking about how delightful it is to see people approaching over the mountains, these, these feet of messengers who are announcing peace. It means all is well, God's got you. These messengers who are bringing good news, announcing deliverance and salvation from God and who says to Zion, your God reigns. Not everyone was taken into exile. There were many that were left behind in Israel. And Israel is in ruins. Jerusalem is in ruins. That, when those enemies came in, they destroyed Israel. And it is still a mess back there. And the people who were left there were left in a very bad situation. Their homes were destroyed. Their places of worship were destroyed. They don't even have the bandwidth and the wherewithal to begin to rebuild yet. They're just downtrodden, and they're discouraged, and they're depressed, and they're struggling to get by, and they're wondering if their God still does reign and they're really questioning who they even are as the people of God. And so think about this picture with me. They're sitting there, say, in Jerusalem, in their little devastated homes, and all of a sudden, they look over the mountains, and they start to see some people coming. And the first wave of people coming out of exile are bringing such good news that look what God has done. Our God, unlike at any other time in history, he's delivered us. He has set us free. And we are coming home and appropriately responding in faith to him. And now, better days are ahead for all of us. Because when we get back, 
We've got the strength now through him that we're going to begin to rebuild the ruins. We're going to begin to build back. We're going to begin to make our comeback. And we're going to come back as the people of God because God brought us through and God was with us all the way. And you can imagine then how this news heartened even the people who were still back there. In fact, very interestingly, the word announce, announces in verse 7, it's used twice, in the Hebrew literally means to hear God's voice. Now think about that. Wait a minute, this is a word that talks about speaking and, and declaring and proclaiming and announcing, and yet it has nothing to do with that at first. It has everything to do with those who before you and I have anything to announce, anything to proclaim, anything to declare, we have to be a people who are hearing God's voice. Why? Well, because if I'm speaking on my own, in my own power and authority, I really have nothing to say. I have nothing to help you with. But if I've heard the voice of God, I can then speak very clearly and confidently and with conviction, and it carries all the power and authority of God with it. In fact, that happens every Sunday and Wednesday here at the Oasis. Nicole and I don't get up here leading you in worship and our time in the Word without having to hear the voice of God, then what we say, it carries power and authority. Listen, what Jeff Royce has to say, that's nothing. That carries no power, no authority, no weight. But if, if what I've heard God say of what he wants me to share with his people, that carries power, that carries weight, that carries authority because we've heard the voice of God and God is saying to his people, that's what I want from you. I want you all to be dialed in and hear my voice so that when you speak into the lives of others, you can give them hope and you can give them strength and you can give them encouragement and you can give them good news because you've heard what I have said in your hearing. And when that happens, notice verse 8. Listen. Keep listening. You watchmen, keep listening and keep looking. Shout, lifting up your voices in unison and singing for joy. Why? Because they see with their very own eyes the Lord's return to Zion. In his people. See, the people then back in Jerusalem and in Israel, they were given hope, they were given strength, they were given encouragement when they saw the obedient exiles coming back out of Babylon and approaching the city once again. And God was returning. He was returning in his people. His people's return from exile was giving hope and strength and encouragement to those that were left behind. So again, notice God is working on both ends here. He's working on the people who were in exile and saying it's time to be set free. Leave, 
but he was also wanting to encourage the people who had not been taken into exile, who were still in a very, again, degraded and discouraged condition back in their homeland when they saw them returning. Look what God is doing. But the only way that happens is if the people who were in exile were obedient to follow the Lord and appropriately respond in faith to what he was moving them to do. And then notice it creates praise. It creates worship. Verse 9, I love this. In unison, give a joyful shout, O ruins of Jerusalem. Notice Jerusalem's still in ruins, but God is calling upon his people to praise and worship him for what he's going to do because it's not going to stay in ruins very much longer. When they get back, the people are going to start to rebuild. And they're going to start to make a comeback like you've never seen before. Can we get a joyful shout in the house of God this morning? Give a joyful shout. And we can do this when at all times we remember who we are and we remember who our God is. That's where our joy comes from. It doesn't come from our situation. It doesn't come from our circumstance. It never comes from the deep waters and the raging fires and the flooded streams we go through. Our joy comes from the constant. And the constant is who we will always be as the people of God and who our God always is. He is unchanging. And that's where our joy comes from. That's where our praise comes from. That's where our worship comes from. For the Lord consoles or comforts his people. He protects Jerusalem. The Lord reveals his royal power. Literally, he's flexed his muscles in sight of all the nations and the entire earth sees our God is able to deliver his people. He is able to save. He is able to rescue. And so what's God's final exhortation? that he wants them to respond to in faith, talking now specifically to the exiles. Notice, like he said, awake, awake in verse 1. Now in verse 11, he says, leave, leave, get out of here. Now, doesn't it seem strange to you that God would have to urge his own people to leave a place of captivity? But he does. And here's why. Because they had gotten accustomed to living in Babylon. Even in captivity, they had gotten comfortable, in a sense, in their misery, and they were reluctant to leave. We're just going to stay here. We're not going. Even though we could go, we could move, we, we could take off those chains, and we could go home, and be headed for home, we're going to stay. The tragedy is that this happens in our lives at times. God is saying to us, leave where you're at. And I don't mean physically the place, but, but leave the position, leave the place you're at, and let's keep moving, keep responding to me in faith. And we just sort of sit where we're at, even if it's in misery, because 
that miseries become comfortable to us. We become accustomed to our misery. I can't tell you how many Christians I've talked to since I've moved to Phoenix in the last almost 20 years now who have told me, I know, Pastor, that I'm not making any progress in the local church that I'm going to. I'm not growing, but I'm comfortable here. So I'm just going to stay. And I'm not necessarily trying to talk them into come to the oasis. I'm just saying, you as a Christian are responsible for your own Christian life. You need to get to a place where you can grow and where you can be challenged and where you can go deeper with God and experience God. And they're like, I, I know, but I'm comfortable here. I've grown accustomed to this place, and so I'm not moving. And so we understand that, why God sometimes has to tell his own people, you don't have to stay where you're at. You can keep on going and growing and moving, and, and you don't have to stay in that place you're at. You can leave at any time if you remember who you are and who I am. And then he says, do not touch anything unclean. Get out of it. Don't take Babylon with you. <laughs> Consecrate yourself. Rededicate yourself. Renew your commitment to me. And yet he says in verse 12, don't depart quickly or leave in a panic. Don't think there's anything going to follow you or don't be afraid of what's ahead of you. Stay calm and composed at all time. You're my people. You hold your head up. Don't, any, don't let anything rattle you. Don't let anything cause you fear and trepidation. Stand in awe of nothing but me. And here's why. For I'm the Lord, and I go before you. God is always in front or ahead of his people, always preparing us and preparing the way for us for the future. None of us knows what the future holds. But here's what we do know. We know the great I am who holds that future and who's already in our future before we ever get there. That's why he says you don't have to be afraid. You hold your head up. You remember who you are and you remember who I am. And then he says, oh, and by the way, I'm not only ahead of you or in front of you, the God of Israel is also your rear guard. I'm in back of you too. God has our backs at all times. There's nothing we need to be afraid of in front of us and there's nothing we need to fear behind us. God has us surrounded. That's who our God is. And so God is saying to his people today, go home. And as you head home, Never forget who you are. Never forget who I am. And never forget when you appropriately respond to me in faith, the help and the impact that you can make on others. You can give them hope. You can give them encouragement and strength as you follow me through life situations and life circumstances. Are we ready to follow God on our way home? Because <laughs> ultimately, let's remember something too. This earth, this is not our home. 
our citizenship is in heaven. That's our home. And all of us, no matter where we are on life's journey, we're headed home. And so God is saying to all of us, as you head home, never forget who you are. Never forget who I am. Never forget the impact you can make on others when you appropriately respond to me in faith. I'll leave you with these exhortations today before we worship God today and give a joyful shout in this place. God is saying to all of us, wake up, wake up. Wrap yourself in the might of God. Put on your beautiful clothes. Shake off the dirt. Get up, captive Jerusalem, and take off the iron chains and be free. Oh, may we be freer than ever in the Lord today. Let's pray. As we're praying, I'm going to have the worship team come. Father God, May we be encouraged today. May we be strengthened today. May we have been given hope today, Lord, through our time of worship and our time in the Word today and our time together. Lord, I, you know better than all of us know. Lord, all the different trials and tribulations and situations and circumstances our own people are going through right now. Many of them are going through deep waters and flooded streams and raging fires in their life. But God, you have come to this place today through our worship and through the word and you are saying to us, I need you to respond in faith. I need you to remember who you are. I need you to remember who I am. You will be my child before you were in this. You are my child during this. And you will be my child after. And nothing can ever change that. Lord, may that be our stability. May that be our security. May that be our surety today as we take off the chains and set ourselves free through you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?